Hi, I'm Inky. And I'm Kat. And this is Sorting Hat Chats. And today we are sorting the good place. Everything is fine. So the good place, for those of you who don't know, just to give a quick intro to what we're talking about today, is a television show which deals with the afterlife, philosophy, death, meaning, moral change, and it's a comedy. The system we're going to be using in this podcast, as we do in all of our episodes, is our Sorting Hat Chat system. Based on the Hogwarts houses, our twist on that is basically we sort by primary houses, which is why characters do things, and secondary houses, which is how characters do things. Um, with that in mind, shall we start with Eleanor Shellstrop? Yes, please. Um, Eleanor is amazing, and I love her. Mm-hmm. True, true. I'm going to go ahead and say Slytherin primary and also Slytherin secondary. Right? That is definitely also my first instinct for her. So Slytherin primary is one of our our loyalist primaries, right? It's about prioritizing yourself and thinking, moreover, that it is moral to prioritize yourself, your ambitions, the people you love. You know, the most important thing is to not um, let them down. And she grows up being taught this by her rather um, shitty parents, I'll just say it, who teach her kind of a very unhealthy version of a Slytherin, um, Slytherin primary. They're only valuing themselves. Her parents are very, very selfish people. And she looks at them, and she looks at them not prioritizing her or taking care of her and goes, you can't rely on anyone, so I only have to rely on myself. And then she further translates that into... People aren't going to love you. So I won't love anyone, and I will just love myself. So is her story, do you think, the unburning of her Slytherin? Does she start with a burned Slytherin primary? Yeah, I think so, right? Because that's, that's sort of the essence of our burned Slytherin is Eleanor wants to love people, right? She wants to have these connections. She falls into them really easily once she's in a, a place where they're offered to her. And that's interesting, too, because we do see her back on Earth um, having people who want to be her friend, uh, but she's not available for it at that point. So what do you think it is that changes going into the good place? Well, I think she finally has the luxury of doing it, right? She's not worried about bills. She's not still dealing with her mom. She's not, you know, inside of a hellish capitalist landscape that's that's beating her down she was burned by capitalism yes she was burned by capitalism when you go to the good place all of those other factors are removed you know that's one of the sort of tenets of the good place in general is people will improve and grow into their best selves when they're given the space and the safety to do so and as soon as eleanor has that she just falls in love with all the people she loves and that drives her entirely. So she has this Slytherin primary um, need for connection, and that being what drives her moral compass. And I think, I think it's also good to look at, as, as Eleanor grows through the story, I think she might build a model for Chidi. Yes. I think she builds a Ravenclaw model, right? Yeah, I think she builds a Ravenclaw primary model, possibly a Ravenclaw secondary model also, but I'm not as sure about that. Um, I just remember some very cute scenes where she ran up to Chidi and she was just like, look, I found it in the book. <laughs> it's a good way to communicate with Chidi, to be fair. It is. It might just be translation. <laughs> but yeah, she starts, when she looks at ethical problems, the first tool she reaches for isn't actually her Slytherin primary anymore. It's this Ravenclaw code of ethics. Like in the in the finale, when she asks Chidi to stay, and then she sits about it and she thinks about it and she realizes, even though it's what she wants, it's unethical. So is it possible since that was her final decision, you think it's possible she is a Ravenclaw primary? As opposed to a Slytherin primary? Ah. Uh... No. I mean, I I see where you're going. I think it's possible. But I think this is one of those moments where 
you might not make the decision that aligns best with your primary because of like extenuating circumstances because she was so aware of the circumstances that she's in like I remember um, at the end of like one of the first tests right where she uh, passed and everyone else failed and she was specifically like I knew it I knew it she told the judge (laughs) Um, so that to me actually feels a little bit more like her Slytherin secondary, helping her frame the frame the system and frame the circumstances that she's in and making decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. I think even I think it even maybe is the decision that's correct for her primary. I think her first gut impulse was, "I don't want you to go because I love you." And then even though she uses a Ravenclaw primary model to get there and to look at the ethics and to understand that was an unfair thing to ask of cheating her end conclusion is i have to let you go because i love you it's still the same driving motivation but she's been given better scaffolding and better like cognitive empathy in order to be able to make more ethical decisions and better serve her slytherin primary Yes, I totally agree. That's great. And it beats the it beats the Ravenclaw primary theory, I think. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Mm-hmm. She healthy. I know, she got healthier. So yeah, Slytherin secondary is also totally my instinct for her. Um but but why is that what's what's striking us so strongly about her? Why do we think she's a Slytherin secondary? I think it's because of the way she plays. Mm-hmm. But I think this is another one of those corners where are we seeing her Slytherin secondary in a neutral, I don't give a fuck state, or is she actually a Gryffindor secondary? Because she does kind of like confrontation. She's, I think she's definitely an improv house, right? Gryffindor mm-hmm. and Slytherin secondary are two improvisational secondaries. They react to things, and that's where they, they find the most power and effectiveness. Slytherins are more comfortable misrepresenting themselves than Gryffindor secondaries are. For Slytherins, it doesn't feel like misrepresentation to play a game or wear a mask or say something that isn't strictly true because they know what's true. And that um, that makes me think of what she did as a job on Earth, mm-hmm. defrauding old people by selling them fake pills. Yep. And some of that is definitely her Slytherin primary because she didn't care that it was wrong, but she lied so much. Yeah. Except for when she really bluntly told the truth. Like, no, why would why would I want to spend time with you? Please leave me alone mm-hmm. to her creepy boss. Yeah, and she does things bluntly for effect. It doesn't seem like it's a time when she's when she does act bluntly and stops playing, it doesn't feel like she's like coming into her own and suddenly able to like shine through and be the person she is which is a Gryffindor secondary it feels like she's been backed into a corner it's like she drops all of her layers and just bluntly says the thing because it's the last tool in her pocket which that looks like a Slytherin secondary to me especially because I get a feeling from her like when she's getting out of having to be the designated driver with her friends on earth Mm -hmm. i get the feeling like she's getting away with it like she finds a loophole and she like just kind of slides into that loophole and plays it the right way in the hopes that it'll work but when it doesn't she's just like fine fuck you loopholes give her so much joy they do Mm -hmm. and not in a not in a ravenclaw secondary way either no no she doesn't learn the system she just sees a thing and goes for it. Um, and I think also, because this is a story about growth and healing and increasing morality and goodness, the fact that we don't see her lose those parts of herself as she grows, she stays mischievous and she stays adaptive and she stays kind of coarse. She doesn't have to lose those things to be the good person we know at the end. Yes, that's one of my favorite things about the show's morality and about her character development is that she gets to keep all of those things. Yeah, they don't mark her as evil for being someone who is quick and clever and a bit of a troublemaker Um, and someone who doesn't naturally care about strangers and doesn't naturally really 
think about deep moral questions. And she gets to be a moral person, and even a moral person who has powerful and good effects on all of humanity and the whole universe. But it's all still allowed to be driven by that almost selfish love. Gosh, I love her. The show does well by her. It really does. Um, but yeah, Slytherin, Slytherin for Eleanor Shelvstrop with a, with a beautiful Ravenclaw primary model she builds um, with Chidi's very generous help. Yes. Um, and speaking of Chidi, there's a lot of Ravenclaw over in that boy. There's so much <laughs> Ravenclaw. Oh my god. I Yeah, it makes me very thankful that I'm not a Ravenclaw primary. <laughs> That I that I am a Slytherin primary with a Ravenclaw primary model because Chidi is so stressed and I have a lot of empathy for the ways in which she is stressed. I laughed so hard at that freaking oh I'm here because I'm drinking the almond juice, aren't I? <laughs> or almond milk, almond juice, whatever. <laughs> so Ravenclaw primaries in our system, they care about doing the right thing, being right, acting right. And they find that that moral rightness outside of themselves. And like Gryffindors, just because something feels wrong or feels right, they don't think that's enough information to go on. They have to find it externally. And Chidi's a Ravenclaw primary who finds it externally through other people's written codes of ethics. I would also posit that he's got some burning, especially at first. Yeah, because he does not know what is true, what is good, and he's driving himself crazy writing his, like, million-page thesis trying to figure it out. Yeah, he feels like he's not good enough or smart enough to understand what is right and not good enough and powerful enough to act as is right. I'm almost wondering if the burning is more concentrated on his secondary and his primary. So he just might be burned all over. I think he is. <laughs> Poor kid. But like I'm thinking of like there's that time in one of the flashbacks where he's for the first time in his life he's not worried. You know, he goes up to the to the uh coffee cart and he orders a blueberry muffin. He's certain and he sits down and he realizes he's never been happy before. He's been spending his whole life trying to live up to this Ravenclaw priority of figuring out what the right thing is and then doing it and feeling bad when he's not able to live up to it. What if he's wrong? Yes. Okay, so Ravenclaw secondary is really interesting, and I think it's worth kind of talking through a little bit of the minutia of how his Ravenclaw secondary is working. Yeah, tell me, tell me why you think he's a Ravenclaw secondary. I don't have a strong idea of what I think his secondary is. Yeah, um, and I'm definitely willing to be swayed from my Ravenclaw secondary theory. I would actually love it if he weren't just Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's not just how he looks at books, because that could also just go to his primary as far as having an external system. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it has, to some extent, it has to do with data gathering to some extent i think it has to do with i'm i don't know because i have a similar choice paralysis thing not as bad as his i'm very happy to say <laughs> but i do occasionally get into that kind of choice paralysis of is this better or is that better which one do i even like more like trying to to figure out what i want or what is good or what is best even even not in a moral way but just in a practical going through life way like that's kind of difficult for me to determine whether that's coming from my Ravenclaw secondary or my Ravenclaw primary model and I think I'm running into the same issue with Chidi okay so it's like you're most comfortable acting and making decisions when you know all the answers you've done the prep mm -hmm. work you've done the legwork you know everything you know how almond milk affects the environment and global trade and everything else it needs to affect, and you know whether or not you should drink almond milk. I think Ravenclaw's a good secondary sort for Chidi there because 
he he freezes like you're saying you know decisions come and he doesn't already know he hasn't already studied that and researched that and archived it he's stuck he doesn't have a system to fall back on i don't think he's built any models either any secondary models to help him out no and i think you've hit on something really important which is i think the thing i was trying to zero in on is basically he he's running into this issue where he never has enough information to trust it it's a perpetual data gathering leading to a reluctance or inability to actually synthesize that information to come up with what he what he needs to do and i think that's his secondary being burned he doesn't have faith in his own ability to have studied and understood and data collected enough to be able to say yes i want the shrimp bisque because what if there's something he missed yeah, and you're right. He doesn't have any other he doesn't have any secondary models to help him out with that. Yeah, that would be really useful for him if he had some other tool set. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, cuz I think I don't think he's a Slytherin secondary cuz he's terrible at adapting to anything. Oh, yeah, no. He's no. Not a Gryffindor secondary, I don't think. No. Um I don't even have any strong reasons why not? But there's just nothing in his behavior that really points to that. I think he's definitely a foundational. His anxiety has such a foundational flavor to it. Yeah, if he hasn't done the prep work, he just dies. But it doesn't seem like Hufflepuff prep work. It doesn't seem like community. It doesn't seem like effort or invested work or, you know, planting seeds. No. It's he's collecting things and then he's staring at them and crying. Yeah, because I think if he were a Hufflepuff secondary, then he wouldn't feel as discouraged after writing his whole, you know, 100,000 page thesis, because that still would have been a lot of hard work and a lot of time that he spent caring about that and doing that. And instead, he's like, nope, this was just a waste of my life. Cool. So yeah, Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw. Burned Ravenclaw. Burned Ravenclaw, specifically. And then he just suddenly unburns almost at the end of the series as he gains all of the information from all of the other timelines. Exactly. And now he just, it's fine. Has all of the information. He just, he has all of it. He finally exhausted all of the possibilities. Oh, God. So it's, he's good. He's good now. He's got a little external help um, to unburn himself. But again, it's a show that's somewhat about the necessity of external help. Which is a really interesting thing for a show about morality to harp on. So we got Slytherin, Slytherin, Eleanor. We got Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw, Chidi. Do you want to talk about Tahani? So Tahani has such a focus on community that my immediate feeling is Hufflepuff. True. For primary or secondary? Let's start with primary because I, I actually I think she's both. That's also my suspicion. So I'm, I'm a little suspicious we're going to get just four pure house sorts with these four. Oh, you're right. Which is really interesting as, as a way for this to have come out. Right? Because they're trying to argue these archetypes. All these archetypes and all the ways I interact with morality and behavior need external support, need each other. To become better people. So I'll be really interested if, if um, our instincts are right and they're all they're all pure sorts. Yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> um, but okay, so the reason that I pinpointed Hufflepuff primary for Tahani is because she cares so much about her community telling her that she's okay and that she's loved and she's accepted. And like that's going to be true for everyone, you know? Everyone wants to feel that from their community. But it's just so emphasized for her that she's willing to go to ridiculous lengths of like sneaking into the party to get her sister's acceptance, to get her parents' acceptance. Like that's what she couldn't say no to during her test in the afterlife with the judge. She had to know what people thought about her, people that she feels are her community. She needed to know that she was accepted by them. And that they think that she's good. Her sense yeah. of her own moral worth is coming from external sources from her parents but also just the general philanthropic community and you know news media and also like she has that whole subplot where she really wants to take a look at michael's points list so she can see where she falls 
she doesn't have an internal sense of her morality. Yeah, so she can understand her place in the community. I'm thinking either Hufflepuff primary, or here's another possibility, which is she's some sort of burned house, and that's why she's looking for external validation. Because she doesn't have faith inside herself. I could definitely see that. So which, what are some things we think might push us towards one of those two options? I think they're both on the table for us. The place where she seems to be in the most pain is in feeling unloved by her parents and sister. Like, that's where she heals. So I think, if anything, we're looking at a burned Slytherin primary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that connection. But... But I think your initial instinct's really right, because she doesn't feel like a burned Slytherin. No, not quite. No, once she's happy and healthy, you know, she's not like Eleanor, who's like, now Chidi and I go travel the world. She becomes an architect. She, you know, builds this community with her family. It, it's. I did really love that ending for her. That made me really happy. Her ending was my favorite ending, but... To be quite fair, any ending that is choosing death is not going to be my favorite ending. No. I just, I just wanted to go get a copy of the Invictus poem and like read it to the television. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Yeah, I really wanted them to find their own places inside the larger community instead of just choosing to die. Yeah, I, they were doing the thing. It's just... Uh, and I understand the thing that they're doing. It just isn't a thing that actually works for me, which was a little too bad. But yeah, can still appreciate their art. Definitely. And I did. I was absolutely delighted. We'll get to Jason. But I was just so delighted that he just hung out near the bench and waited for Janet to come back in order to give her. Oh, there's a really interesting thing. One of our friends, when we were watching it, we'd watched it previously, and he was just watching it at this point. And he was also not really liking the general philosophy of the final episode, which is at some point, you know, you will want to move on. You will get bored. You will get content that death is necessary to give life meaning, which is, it's a, it's a philosophy that I disagree with pretty strongly. So he was watching this and being like, this is disappointing. Um, and then when Jason popped out of the grove and it was revealed, he'd just been wandering around content for hundreds of years. Our friend thought that that was going to be a subversion. It was going to be evidence that, no, you don't get bored. You just have to find new ways to exist that were beyond what you were trying before. Oh, that would have been nice. That it's not death that gives life meaning, but change that gives life meaning. But then Jason walked through the door, and that wasn't the plot that happened. No, but I think that's better. <laughs> yep. I like that better. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, Tahani, I think... Because when we see her at the end healed and fully the best person she is possible of being, she is someone who has set out to join a larger community and network and work with them to make the entire universe a better place. And that sounds like a healthy, satisfied Hufflepuff primary to me. She repairs her relationship with her sister, with her family, um, with her community, and then she goes and joins a new one and spends the rest of eternity making the universe better. Yeah, and that actually brings us to her Hufflepuff secondary. If anyone were going to stick around for eternity, it would be the Hufflepuff secondary. <laughs> yep, for sure. Maybe that's one of the reasons why the ending uh, bothers me so much. I'm such a Hufflepuff <laughs> secondary. You just You just leave? No, you can't do that wrong yeah because it bugged me but not like not like it bugged you i just if death is what gives life meaning then how do children have any sense of joy wonder or satisfaction when they do not yet understand their own mortality like it's clearly not death guys it's change it's change it's definitely change don't be stagnant i would have really loved to see one of the reasons the final season didn't super work for me structurally is this show is so built on their twist. They do a twist, and it changes your understanding of everything that's come before in the plot and the character, but also in doing so, because it's a story about morality and philosophy, 
it also changes your understanding of what they were saying about what is good and what is right and what is worthwhile. The first twist does that. Oh, this is the bad place. And you reassess each of the characters and you reassess what the story is saying about morality. That's fascinating. And they do that a bunch of times. And the fourth season, they do have that twist. Even though it sort of feels like they don't, it's the twist that they get to the good place and it's not good. It's not enjoyable. It's not something that makes people good or better. It stagnates them and it destroys them. And that twist was great. It had so much potential, but they gave it like three episodes. I know. I would have loved to have that twist come at like the midpoint. I really wanted more complexity in the good place agents. Because I understand that they didn't have enough time to give us a Sean level of depth, but it wouldn't have taken that long to introduce a character, even just beginning in the fourth season or even in the third, with some level of complexity, with some level of, yes, this is how the system works. And I am still a competent, not living being. Yeah, they just make the Good Place agents aliens in ways that they really managed not to with Michael and Sean and Vicky. I loved Vicky's whole art. Vicky's a delight. Yeah, but I was disappointed that the demons were more people than the Good Place agents. I think we needed a whole season in the Good Place, or at least half a season. Because if they're going to say really fascinating things about the nature of reward, they argue that it is hard to be good without external supports and with so many blocks and challenges in your way and then they swap in that last little set of episodes just that one episode to it's also really hard to be good in the complete absence of all challenges and i would have loved a similar level of deconstruction on that but yeah we were talking about tahani and her beautiful hufflepuff secondary <laughs> So Hufflepuff Secondary, it's our foundational, one of our foundational houses. Um, it's one of our inspirational houses. Party planning houses. It is our party planning house. Um, if your main superpower is you plan a really good party, you may be a Hufflepuff Secondary. And if not, you may be a Ravenclaw Secondary. Mm -hmm. if, your, if your power is planning, <laughs> look at the foundational houses, Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. She, she works. She doesn't, when you first meet her, she seems like she doesn't. She's this beautiful, tall, elegant, rich, implied to be almost ditzily elegant creature. But she's put in so much work to make herself seem that way. Yeah, as they peel back layers of her, you see how much effort goes into Tahani being Tahani. Yeah, because even, even at the very beginning, she goes out and brings gift baskets to everyone in the neighborhood. Yeah, she knows all their names. Yeah. Oh, God. That is probably the number one clue uh, that someone is a Hufflepuff secondary, is you know everyone's names and also their dogs' names. Mm -hmm. She went to the afterlife. She got into what she thinks is heaven. And she's doing labor. Yeah. And then Michael is torturing her by making her feel like she's failing to do that labor well. He's mimicking the sort of toxic environment that has led her to think that she's a failure compared to her sister, compared to other people. Oh, her name dropping is also a sign of Hufflepuff secondary. Oh, you're right, it is. She's trying to power grab using community ties. And it just doesn't work on anyone there. Yeah, because it's not a relevant community, and it's also not her real community. I think she might have a Hufflepuff secondary model on top of her actual Hufflepuff secondary. Oh. Because she thinks she's bad at it. But she thinks it's the right way to be. So she's trying to be a Hufflepuff secondary. Not knowing she already is and she's good at it. So is that a model or is that a performance? That's fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a performance. It's just a mask she's putting on. Performance is the outermost layer. It is the layer that... Even if it feels fun, it still feels like something being put on. It's something that is in some way only skin deep. Uh, one of my favorite examples is, hi, this is my customer service voice. Can I help you today? And that's a performance. 
Yeah, it is. Because, no, I don't want to help you today. I'm lying. <laughs> but, you know, that's something that society demands of a lot of us in a lot of different situations. And there's various levels of important nuances and complexities. And sometimes when I offer to help, I mean it. Even if it's still a performance, I can still mean it. Performances can be really handy for getting information about a character's world and the character's relationships to other people. Because what performance they put on is less about what they think is important and more about what they think the world expects of them or what they've been told they have to deliver. So Tahani has a Hufflepuff performance because she's been told that this is how she has to be. She needs to be connected and she needs to be powerful and she needs to be perfect. And she thinks her actual self, even though she's actually a Hufflepuff, isn't good enough. So she puts on her customer service voice, which for her is pretending to be friends with Brad Pitt. Slightly different than ours. Just looking at her actions, how do we know that it's a performance and not a model? Because I just get kind of a feel hmm. that it feels put on because it doesn't feel attached to any of her other actions or motivations. That's what tipped me off. I think because it's not true. She's not best friends with Taylor Swift. I mean, we don't know that. She might be, okay? T-Swift. <laughs> you know, we don't know. When she says those things, there's no work involved. It's just posturing. It's just paint she's putting on. It's a veneer. When she actually befriends someone, it looks different. Even when it's another celebrity. I remember from her brief stint on, on Earth when they, when they all go back. When she's making those connections she brags about, she makes them differently than when she's bonding to an actual community or when she's putting in her actual work. So performance, I think you're right. It's the veneer, it's the mask she puts on. Yeah, so Hufflepuff primary, Hufflepuff secondary, Hufflepuff secondary performance. <laughs> That's our girl. Mm -hmm. And that leaves us next with Jason. I just want to say Gryffindor because I want us to have that match set, but we have to make sure he's actually a Gryffindor. Right? I really want him to be a Gryffindor Gryffindor. It would be very pretty, but let's see if we're right. So I, I feel safe saying not a Ravenclaw. Yes. He does not get his morality externally. No. Um, it's, it's not because of his general intelligence level. It's because of the source of his morality. Ravenclaw is not about intellect, guys. Not at all. Don't have a smart house. That's rude. When does Jason make decisions? That's a great place to really look at primary sortings. Places where he's push to make hard decisions and what sways him. He just floats through so much of the narrative. So I think some places that might be good to look are one, when he goes back to Earth and tries to save his father and his best friend and the reasons and motivations in that interaction. And then also when we look at him at the end, when he's fully realized and satisfied and good, um, when he's fulfilled his whole growth arc, what does that look like? What is the best version of Jason? I also want to look at the test given to him, because it seemed at first like the test was kind of a throwaway, but I remember the judge saying that the way to win was not to play. Because it was about, like, the... Oh, I'm so bad at sports. Was it the Jaguars? Are they, are they his team? Yeah, and he was playing a, a sports video game. Yeah, and he had his, his task was to make them lose. Yes, but he wouldn't listen to her instructions. She tries to give him the instructions, and he's just like, no, 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 I got this. Yeah, he trusts himself, which is, you know, cool. Jason does not have low self-confidence. That's not his trouble. So... There, it's implying the thing he needs to do to grow as a person is to listen, to take in input outside himself. His heaven at the end is, it's not communal. Mm -mm. It doesn't 
matter. He cares that his dad's there and happy, but just hanging out with him. They're not building a community. His dance crew is back, but that's not what the narrative focuses on. He likes the performance, but we don't actually see any community building or any of that being part of what heaven is for him. We also... His decision, the fact that he is the first to feel it and to know that the correct thing to do is to walk through the door and to be ready and content, I think he might be a Gryffindor primary. His growth arc is learning to supplement his Gryffindor with other inputs and better empathy and understanding for those around him so he can be a more holistically better person. The same way that Eleanor, her Slytherin, had to learn how to in incorporate this Ravenclaw primary model so she could be a better Slytherin. I think Jason has to learn to take in more information and more empathy so he can be a better Gryffindor. But at the end of the day, he's still listening to himself and his intuition is good and it is kind and it's one of the powerful things about him. So yeah, I think Gryffindor primary. Yeah, and I don't think he's burned. I think it's about opening it up to more input, but I don't think it's actually burned. Yeah, he's not healing anything. He's just growing. Yeah. He was just young. He was just uneducated. All right, for secondary, improv secondary, right? Yes, absolutely. He's not very good at lying. No, he's not. He acts. He reacts. He's genuine. He's inspirational to people because of how genuine and himself he is. He doesn't translate himself for other people. And while it sometimes makes him incomprehensible, it sometimes makes him a revelation. Yeah, like I think that's one of the things that Janet really loves about him. Because I love that scene where she's just been rebooted and he goes down and she just asks him questions and he's just like, yeah, let's just let's just talk. And he just is so consistently Jason. Yes, he's never anything but Jason. All right, so Slytherin, Slytherin, Eleanor, Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw, Cheedy, Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff, Tahani, and Gryffindor, Gryffindor, Jason. I really love that. I'm so happy. I was so scared <laughs> that we'd be like one house off. But no, that's great. It's a matching set. Do we want to talk Michael and Janet too? I think that's worthwhile. Okay. I'm a little bit concerned we're going to have trouble sorting both of them. Yes, I'm especially concerned about Janet. I have been thinking about Janet. I have been getting little question marks in my eyes. I know, me too. But we can sort R2-D2. I feel like we should be able to sort Janet. She's a real not-girl, not-robot. And I love her. Me too. Let's start with Michael. Let's start with, I think he's a loyalist, primary. I see that. I'll also say, though, that he is very willing to change his system. Or not even willing, but one of his big character arcs is changing his system. So I'm going to put forth Ravenclaw Primary as a contender also. Okay. The reason why loyalists call me more than Ravenclaw, because he does transform his system, and it's really important to him, is... He doesn't do it because that system is more right. He does it because he is convinced and realizes that Team Cockroach are humans and that he are people. He knew they were humans. He didn't think they were people, and he loves them. That's the motivation behind it. He doesn't care that he was wrong or bad before. He cares that he loves them. Yeah, and I think he just has such a big brain Yeah, that he also has a Ravenclaw primary model. Yeah, he's just a nerd. Well, does he even have a Ravenclaw primary model? Because I'm feeling he's not that consistent in his ethical decisions. That's actually very fair, because I was thinking of all of the, you know, going through all of the philosophy lessons with him. But if I remember right, he was faking for a lot of that. Yeah, and then he was bad at it when he was faking less. Yeah. Okay, I see it. I see the Hufflepuff primary. Right? I think what you might be hitting on, actually is a Ravenclaw secondary. Oh, you're right. I think you're right. I, I, I cite to his collection of human items. Yes. Yeah, his methods, I think, are really Ravenclaw. He's, he collects, he prepares, he has these plans. 
he's not that good at improvising. Like, he's a really good liar, but he's not good at improvising his plans. Vicky's better at it. It's one reason why she's actually better at running the whole system than, she, than he is. Because um, she's a really good actor and improviser and creative and he wants to he wants to reset it. He has that perfectionist tendency you get with some Ravenclaw secondaries. It's like, nope, just reset it. Nope, reset it. Reset. Like, I just need to find the thing I'm doing wrong and then it'll work. It's really similar to when Chidi had that um that modeler that Janet built for breaking up with Simone. And he just did that simulation over and over again. Until he could find the perfect one and just do that. It's a Ravenclaw secondary thing. Yeah. Okay, so Ravenclaw secondary. Uh, back to his primary. Loyalist-wise, initially, my feeling is Slytherin primary. Because he loves so specifically these four humans. But. But he's so excited to go be a human on Earth. Exactly. I think he starts off as a burned Hufflepuff, really burned. Or a Hufflepuff who's just really bad at considering people to be people. He has to do it in steps. He goes, okay, these four weird cockroaches, they're people, and I love them. And then he just continues to expand his definition of what a person is, what someone who is worth his compassion and empathy is, until it's everyone and until he's desperate to go and be a part of their lives and communities. Yeah, I think at first it's just the other demons or people. Yeah. Because he does have that kind of charming, friendly aspect, even, you know, at the very beginning when we don't know, but the showrunners know that he's just interacting with a bunch of other demons. Mm -hmm. And that kind of charming side of him is something that comes back out with the with the cockroaches. Yeah. Once he Once he considers them people. So that kind of implicates the troubling thing about Hufflepuffs where you're only a person who matters if you are indeed a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can dehumanize as a way of cutting people out of your moral considerations. And he dehumanized all the humans which makes tons of sense linguistically. But yeah, okay, so Huffleclaw for Michael. Yeah. That's, that's great. Okay, now Janet, the, the hard one. Uh, she just she has so much growth and transformation she's really hard to track she cares about jason a lot but she really does but that just seems i'm trying not to do the the slytherin romance conflation thing i think it's romance not slytherin yeah i yeah i think when characters transform as much as janet does and such almost inconsistent ways, not that it's bad in this case, we often mark them as Ravenclaw primary. And they cycle through these systems. You can get, there's still a consistent through line that that's their primary. But I don't think that's true of Janet. No, I really don't want her to be a Ravenclaw primary. Hashtag not a robot. <laughs> I don't think she is, because she just doesn't care about morality in that way. No. She's not thinking, and she gets more and more understanding and comprehension. She spends none of that on, is this the right thing to do? No, I think Hufflepuff. It would make sense that as far as her being a creation of some sort, at least at first, it would make sense that underlying that would be a Hufflepuff primary, considering her job is to take care of the community. Yeah, I think they definitely programmed her, so to speak, with a Hufflepuff primary. She's supposed to assist everyone equally. And in response to their needs, which is Hufflepuff. And she does find that satisfying. But I think she might be a Slytherin primary. Because I think she genuinely likes Jason better than other people. And would prioritize Jason's safety and welfare over that of other people and not feel bad about it whatsoever. That's true. Like, she would also prioritize... Eleanor and Tahani and Michael but I do think if it came down to it she would just grab Jason. Grab Jason and if it came down if she had more resources she'd grab all of them but she doesn't really care about random bystanders and she doesn't feel bad about not caring about random bystanders 
I think she might just actually be a Slytherin primary, which is a neat thing to see in a not a robot. Yeah. Good. Okay. That makes me happy because I was so worried. I was just, I was just conflating the romance with the Slytherin primary. No, I think she's just romantic and driven by that, but she also thinks it's moral to be driven by those prioritizations. So I think it's her primary as well. It's also her morality that that's the right thing to do. For secondary, I'm thinking Ravenclaw secondary, just because she freaks out so much when she's on Earth and doesn't have access to all her data. But I feel like that would freak anyone out, not just a Ravenclaw. Like, Hufflepuff secondary, that's also a foundational house, and I feel like any foundational house would be freaked out by suddenly being cut off from all of their data. No, I wouldn't care that much. (laughs) Sorry, Ken. (laughs) It just, I would be fine. I would have the the other things I do. Data's really handy. I like it. But if I don't have data, I still have me. But doesn't Janet also do that? Like, she freaks out a little, but, like, she, she gets her shit together. She does, but she hates it so much. Hmm. I'm just imagining if you lost all your spreadsheets. You would hate it so much, Kat. I'd, I'd, I'd be okay. You would. You would be okay. I could... Oh. That would hurt so badly. And if I lost my spreadsheets, I'd be like, Data, if I lost my work, I'd be like, ah. See what I mean? No, that's the same thing. <laughs> nah. No, I'm sorry, that's the same thing. <laughs> you know, if I lost like a manuscript, I would be heartbroken. If I lost a spreadsheet, I would go make another spreadsheet. But yeah, just the, the data being gone screws her up so much. Yeah, I guess. You know, because she doesn't really work. That's true. She doesn't really hard work. She just kind of pulls information out of the air and hands it to people. Yeah, and that gives her a lot of joy. It does, that's true. Okay. Like, she's not community building. She's not She's not quite doing labor in the same way that, like, Tahani is. That's true. And when she feels like too much is being asked of her, she gets annoyed. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't really like being relied upon. She likes being right and trusted. But she doesn't really like being leaned on, so to speak. She shows up when people call her name, but it's not as inherent to her personality that she shows up in that Hufflepuff secondary way. Yeah, it's not because she's reliable and present and cares. It's because she's a magic teleporting Siri. Yeah. Okay. I'm sold. I'm sold okay. on the Ravenclaw okay. secondary. The Slitherclaw. She's you, Cat. Aw, Yeah. Last thing I want to make sure we hit is something we've talked about a little, which is that the good place itself has a morality. Oh, yes. The show. or And the world. The world of the good place has the point system. It has the way you get into the afterlife. Is There is a set of unwritten rules, and things are good or things are bad. And you do them, and then you are judged by those external rules, which, if you think hard enough, you should be able to find out. Oh, it's a Ravenclaw. Bad Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's like a really simplistic bad Ravenclaw primary. Like Ravenclaw primaries, I apologize for calling the point system your morality. But The Good Place, the show, as opposed to The Good Place, the place is a story about dismantling that Ravenclaw primary system because it is bad and because it is stagnant and replacing it with a system where people can grow and change. Yeah, creating a better self-modifying Ravenclaw primary that starts taking in and processing external data again because it stopped taking in that external data. It stopped looking at how the world was changing and how it needed to change its expectations of goodness because of that. That new system and the tenets it runs by is what the show is arguing is right. And on first glance, it looks a little bit like maybe Hufflepuff. Maybe, you know, everyone should have a chance and people have a capacity for growth. 
and they become better people when you embed them in communities. And it's what we owe to each other as part of the community. Exactly, right? It looks Hufflepuff, but I don't think it is. Because when you look at how they apply those arc words, um, which are also the title of one of the books that the creator is particularly into, what we owe to each other, when they actually apply them, it's not about community. It's always about individual... Individual relationships. Yeah. So it's always Eleanor goes to Chidi, and Chidi, with his generosity and his example... Um, and Eleanor's growing capacity for compassion allow her to become a better person and allow Chidi to become a better person because of the, among other things, chaos that Eleanor introduces into his system. But all the people who change, they almost all do so based on a few specific connections. But yeah, it's really interesting that you have this show about morality, but at the heart of it, the thing it's arguing is sort of Slytherin. It's saying, hey, the way people become better is by loving a few others well. And I really like that. Yeah, me too. All right, that wraps up our episode, Sorting the Good Place. A uh, couple of notes just to wrap things up. Thank you for putting up with my really bad audio quality throughout this episode. And I'm very excited to announce that our next episode we will be sorting Howl's Moving Castle. We're going to be taking a look both at the movie and at the original novel by Diana Wynne-Jones and comparing and contrasting the uh, ways that the characters' sortings change or don't change in the two different forms of media. So if you haven't watched the movie or you haven't read the book, I recommend them both to you in the strongest of language. Expect that sometime in the next month. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay as healthy as you can, and um, wish everyone the best. Thank you for tuning in.